Today's episode of the Natural Habitat Podcast is brought to you by Fagolovers.net. What? Yeah, Fagolovers.net. Is that like a drink service? It is much, much more than a drink service, my friend. You can order drinks from Fagolovers.net. But it is also a number one news hub. I don't know. We're kind of the number one news hub. It's the number two news hub on the whole (laughs) internet. All right? It's crazy. And you go there. It uh, doesn't only have Fago news, but it has news on uh, your favorite underground uh, music uh, labels. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh huh. It's got uh, Psychopathic Records. It's got uh, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment. It's got Strange Music. It's got the new thing that Hobson's doing. It has uh, it has like you know Team Backpack news. Nice. All of these uh, all these different underground circuits as well as videos, you interviews. What else, what else does it have? It's got the Natural Habitat podcast. That's right. It's got some ads for the Natural Habitat podcast as well as a couple episodes. I want to say. Uh, They've been they've been showing some love, you know, over the past uh, over the past year or so. I remember when we put out the uh, the Dirtbag Dan episode and the Kung Fu Vampire episode. They shared both of those. Nice. Put them in their vidges section. So that's dope. They're always showing us love. They've always been sharing my music for years and years. So you know, it's about time that we spread some love back to them. Just like STDs, we will pass this love back and forth. <laughs> between each other. And uh, this game, bro. Yep. She's crabs together. So go to fagolovers.net. That's F A Y G O L U V E R S dot net. Dot net. And bookmark that shit and check it every morning like I do. So yeah, um today is the the uh m- monumentous end of Space Week. It's been a good, it's been a great week. It has. And it's been very spacey. It's been spacey as hell. And I think uh, it's about time that we hit this theme song, smoke a bowl, and get in today's film. Get in Sweet. today's film. <laughs> We're going to get in it. Space balls deep. Are you ready? I hope we have a VHS tape because that'll be easier to fit into. Yeah. Space balls deep. The Natural Habitat Podcast. Natural Habitat Glitchcast. Yo. Don't worry. I'm going to replace that theme song with uh, with a brand new one in the editing process. Hell yeah. Right now, um, we're, we're doing some screen sharing on Skype, and it's fucking everything up. It's making everything a little laggy, a little bit laggy, but as long as everything sounds good, that's all I really care about. Fuck it. You know what? I'm going to stop this sharing right now, just for a little bit. Just till we get into these vidges. <laughs> no worries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is the Natural Habitat Podcast, and my name is unknown. My name is Fluke Starbucker. <laughs> and uh, we are here to talk about... Uh-oh. 
Whoa. Uh-oh. All right. I fixed it. Uh, we are here to talk about a film that is near and dear to our hearts simply because we were talking about it before we started recording, and that is uh, Mel Brooks. Yeah. That's something that is a uh, is a staple in our childhoods. You know, you you grew up uh Robin Hood Men in Tights was the first thing that came to your head that you watched a lot. I watched that a lot too. But yeah. uh Blazing Saddles was mine. And I must have seen that movie a hundred <laughs> times before it was appropriate before I was at an appropriate age. You know what yeah. I mean? So, <laughs> so Yeah, and, uh, and the unique thing about Mel Brooks is you could find his humor and everything he does. Every single thing that he makes is very similar, regardless of the plot or storyline. And like he commands the same type of acting from his characters, you know what I mean? And and they all just have some it's it's hard to describe the way something feels, right? Yeah. It's super hard. We're we're always trying to do that. We're always trying to describe <laughs> how something feels and it's like almost impossible, but it's it feels nostalgic. It feels like um, I, I I can't really explain it. It feels like like something you've seen before, even if it's the first time you've seen it. Mm-hmm. You know, it it feels like um, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's funny. He's got this certain type of humor about him, and he's just really like the OG when it comes to yeah. And it's like satirical stuff. It's it's like a silly fucking like a weird silly humor, you know what I mean? And uh, another thing that he would always do is he was always like pushing pushing the boundaries and pushing the limits of you know uncomfortable things that we didn't want to laugh about, like race and sexism and all these things. Like you know, uh, in in Blazing Saddles, for example, that that movie was full of race jokes. And, you know, the the main character, the protagonist is what it's called, the good guy, was, uh, I forget the dude's name, but he fucking was, like, the most lovable dude ever. Like, you fall in love with this character, and at the time that it was made, it was like, you know, black guys were put in these stereotypical awesome roles like Shaft and shit to be like, look at how badass we are. Yeah, but, black exploitation. Yeah, but this was just like, you know, he was he was a likable dude, likable character, alongside with alongside with Gene Wilder. Well, yeah, and that's the thing too is that he was uh, uh, he's Jewish. You know what I mean? So he's like he pushes the race card for yeah. a reason because he's. Part of it, you know, it's like he wants he wants to push those type of boundaries for those exact reasons. He wants to make people get out of their fucking out of their comfortability. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like when he the best part was when Mel Brooks rolls up on the horse in full Indian garb and headdress and face paint, and he's like Mushuga. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. All the humor is hilarious. Yep. I don't know. He's good at yeah. it. And this and this movie was definitely not lacking. Spaceballs was fucking no. ridiculous. And they did that like it's almost like that old school like naked gun kind of humor, but its own form. And I hate on this show a lot. Angie Tribeca. All right. I fucking hate it. It comes on right after American Dad on TBS, so I always watch like the first minute of it and i'm ashamed that people are a part of it and that people like it and they try to do that same kind of humor but they don't do it right and mel brooks got it perfect like yeah. 
it was the perfect mix of like awkward but still comical to where the yeah. joke made sense. You know what yeah, I mean? It's it's very smart humor. Yeah. You break it down. You know? Everything they do is very meticulous and like planned and and it's very for a reason. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's really good. You know, it's like it's like wholesome but edgy at the same time. It's like it's like something for everybody and that's really the hardest mix you can find you know what i mean because trying to please so many different people is like almost impossible so when you could come up with the right combinations to hit such a wide spectrum i mean you know that's it's going to be a hit and everything he does is really like in that formula you know he has this like he has this level that he wants to reach and he reaches it every time you know and and it's like i don't know it's momentous it seems like it seems like everything was like on time, everything was like in the moment, everything was like for a reason, you know, Star Wars happened, boom, Spaceballs. I honestly heard that there's supposed to be uh, another one coming out. Yeah. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that that's what I heard, and they're supposed to be making another one as a spoof to The Force Awakens. So we'll, we'll see what <laughs> happens. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be so dope. That would be awesome. I mean, like, if he's still able to, why the fuck not? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean... He doesn't do much anymore, but if he's able to do it, why the fuck not? If he's able to at least make it happen from afar or whatever, why not do it and just like oversee it from home or whatever he's got to do, you know? Yeah. I um I actually have a a little short interview with Mel Brooks. If uh if you want to listen to that real quick before we get into this into this film and facts. All right. Little uh here's something from the man himself. Here we go. This is uh, this is him during the release of Spaceballs on Good Morning America. How do you pick the targets that you spoof? I mean, what's the criteria? How big do they have to be? The genre has to be part of the American cinema fabric. I mean, the, they, the audience must know what the cliches are. For instance, they must know that the birds do duty all over you. Yes. They must know that... You're in a shower and Anthony Perkins comes in with a wig and tries to kill you. You know. So when I did High Anxiety, I mean, I was aware by then that the Hitchcock movies were firmly entrenched into movie-going habits and understanding. And it was wonderful. I didn't do Spaceballs or I didn't do a space genre movie when it first came out because it simply wasn't ripe. I mean, the movie wasn't ripe for the kind of send-up and the cliches weren't weren't around yet you know so i waited until now and i thought okay space it's your turn prepare to attack prepare to attack on the count of three one two what happened where are they i don't know sir they must have hypertests on that thing and what do we got on this thing a cuisinart no sir we'll find them catch them yes sir you directed it, you co-wrote it, you produced it. You even played not one, but two separate roles. Yes. I played President Scrooge, president of Planet Baseball. Yes. Every president would like to be an actor, and every actor would like to be a president. President Scrooge. Yes. <laughs> That's so dope. True, too. You know, his yep. humor is so funny because everything, like, really has this truth ring to it, you know? And um, High Anxiety was a really good movie also, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it, but I've no, seen it. No, I don't think I have. And it's, a, it's like a, it's a half musical, half movie 
and it's a super good comedy the whole way through. And it's about uh, it's about a time where um, they're in persecution from Hitler and shit, and they're like, and and it's like, oh no, it's all sneaky, and oh no, there's a few of them. Oh no, it's good. Yeah, he's uh he's definitely a comedic genius. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he uh he it's so he's still around. He's still alive, doing healthy. I saw an interview with him on like Jimmy Kimmel Live, just looking old as shit, but still yeah, good. The most recent thing I seen from him was um, comedians in cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. That's right. Uh, and he was uh, really good, actually. He was there with um. One of the other guys that's been in a million things. Um, fuck, I'll come back to it. I can't remember his name right now. The guy that played Hedley Lamar? No, but... Uh, <laughs> I love that dude. But it's one of those type of guys. Um, it's funny that you mentioned comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, that Jerry Seinfeld show. Uh, Horatio Sands stole that show and like bootlegged it for his podcast. And he puts out episodes every once in a while where they record it in their car. And it's called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. It's called the exact same thing. He didn't change anything at all. It's just hosted by him instead of Jerry. And it was a good idea. Some genius shit. Just like, hey, how am I going to get people to search my show? Just name it a show that's already established. I do that with songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Yeah, why not? So um, I think it's about time that we get into a smoke sesh. Fuck yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you're yeah, like, we're let's fucking smoke already, Mikey. Jesus. All right. I mean, I mean, amenibus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, uh, G- genibus. We don't fuck with Jesus around here. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I love Jesus. I love Pedro. I love fucking album. But no Jesus. No. It's the, <laughs> I know that J-E-S-U-S is a Mexican name. Jesus, but are there any Mexicans named Jesus? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Because Jesus ain't real. <laughs> Everybody out there, flick your pics, snap your pics, and hashtag them NHP Smoke Sesh. Oh. Are you singing? Yeah. <coughs> Spaceball soundtrack on point. Yeah, man. Definitely on point. Definitely on point. Yeah. So I just want to take a moment right now. All right. You got something to say? Yeah. And this is more than just something to say. This is my bargaining chip 
with the movie industry. All right. Um, here at the Natural Habitat Podcast, we just want to take the time to recognize that the feeling of nostalgia is very real and alive in all of us. And we want that feeling to live on forever. So in order to do that, we're begging the industry to bring back those type of songs like you just heard for Spaceballs or like the Ghostbusters theme song. Movies need real theme songs. You know what I'm saying? We need to get back to that type of feeling. We need to make it nostalgic with that intention. Let's get back to the good times. I totally Donate agree. Now. <laughs> Call now and donate to the cause and we'll make sure the money goes to the right people. Yeah, we promise. Yeah. That wasn't my eye winking. I can't wink without making that noise, but I'm not winking. So you don't put real theme songs back in movies? A puppy will lose its eyelashes. Yeah, I don't want to hear some fucking some T-Pain song, you know, or uh whatever. <laughs> I don't want to hear some bullshit radio song while I'm watching my movie. I want to hear something that was made to go with it. Yeah, because we hear the radio on the radio. Yeah, you want a theme song cuz then you make your movie and you make your theme song and that theme song lives forever. Just like today. So donate now. Save the theme songs. Okay, are we gonna sing it now? We said we were gonna sing. In the arms. But for real though, yeah. Bring back the motherfucking theme. Save the theme song, please, because mm-hmm. you know we want to have future episodes if we can guess that theme song and all that shit. Yeah, we're running low. <laughs> yeah, we want to have episodes that have theme songs from like now, from our time, so people will recognize them. And yeah. you know, we can't do that now. It would just be a playlist of T Pain and Kendrick Lamar songs and then uh like the white stripes and stuff like that. You know, that's what we would get if we were to compile theme songs from shows in the past, you know, ten years. Yeah. And it's yeah. gross. So stop it. Uh all right. I have I have an interesting little factoid on this movie. Spaceballs facts coming in hot. Spaceballs facts. Uh if you look really close you can actually spot the Millennium Falcon in this movie. And it's in the diner scene when they're at the space diner. What happened was uh, George Lucas got a chance to read the script when it was in pre-production. He liked it, and he decided to have Industrial Light and Magic, his special effects company, help to make the movie. So a lot of the effects that you're seeing are actually from Industrial Light and Magic, as well as the Millennium Falcon. They threw it in the parking lot of the Space Diner. So if you look out the window, you can see it just chilling. Just chilling. Big old piece of shit. I'm definitely going to have to look for that now. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing, uh, Dark Helmet, who uh, is played by Rick Moranis, who's one of my favorite nostalgic actors. He was in Honey, (laughs) Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. For sure. And fucking uh, all those movies were my shit. And we were actually talking about him recently. Like a few weeks ago, we brought him up for something. And it was when we were doing Ghostbusters. 
or we were talking about Ghostbusters or something. I don't think we ever did Ghostbusters. But uh, I found out that he moved away from Hollywood because he didn't like the business and how it was run. So he did some movies, got some money, moved away, bought some property, and lives there with his family. He's like a normal guy. Part of it, yeah, that was the second part of it, was that he wanted to leave while his kids were still young. Yeah. So he had a chance to be there while his kids grew up. Yep. And he said that there was a possibility of him coming back later, but... Yeah, which it's, it's, it's that's commendable, you know what I mean? There's a lot of a lot of famous people that don't ever see their kids. Their kids are raised by their nannies. You know? Yeah, honestly, that's like the most commendable, if you yeah. think about it. You know, like that's... He's sacrificed more than anybody, really, mm-hmm. by doing it. So um, he actually, he had the idea to change his voice because when the helmet was down, he would have like a dark uh, James Earl Jones kind of Batman-esque voice. He'd be like, and then he'd pull the fucking head up and he would just be nerdy-ass fucking Rick Moranis with his glasses. <laughs> just all like, hey, yeah, guys. Really good. <laughs> Super good. <laughs> Man, it was such a good idea. And like it's dope that they're totally making fun of of the movies and the characters, but in a way to where it's almost they're paying homage, you know what I mean, while also making fun of it, which is why George Lucas loved it so much. And it's like it's like when you make fun of your friends, is what it reminds me of. You know what I mean? Like like you can't just sit here and like talk shit about somebody that like you don't know that you don't know anything about and just be like, man, look at that guy's stupid fucking face. And like, I mean, I guess you can, but you can't just go walk up to him and say that. It will most likely not be a great situation. But yeah. if it's like you and me and we're hanging out somewhere and I'm like, look at your stupid face, you're like, fuck you. And then it just like turns into a joke. Right. And it's not like, you know, like, uh, like if we were to do the, uh, the Beavis and Butthead music video commentary on one of our friends' music, it'd be good. It'd be a lot better than making fun of someone like Justin Bieber that gets made fun of all the time. Yeah, it'd be more personal. Yeah, so it had that like personal feel to it because they were all, I mean, Mel Brooks was a fan. He like, mm-hmm. and like he said in that interview, he was just waiting for it to become relevant, waiting for it to become a cliche yeah, and a staple smart. in cinema. Really he smart. is. He's really fucking smart. Evil genius, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what else is cool? Is he he fucking uh, yeah? He said uh, <laughs> he said that he got permission from Lucas to do it, and you know, like doing um, satire, you don't really need permission. Yeah, I mean, you don't. You can do whatever you want to do. There's mm-hmm. a yeah. Is it is it satire law? Is that what it's called? I don't know. Like There's something. There's some sort of law that protects people. As long as you change so many things, you have to change like names and like something else, but the rest you can keep the same. Yeah. And uh, Lucas agreed, except for he didn't want them to merchandise the characters. No. And he said he didn't think it was fair for them to copy them and fucking merchandise the shit. Like, you know, yeah. making toys and shirts or whatever, all that other shit. But. There's no way they couldn't, right? You know what I mean? Because Star Wars is the most merchandisable fucking machine in the universe. So I know. And were yeah. there any were there any Spaceballs toys? I'm sure. I'm sure, bitches. Or uh or did like did Lucasfilms just have oh yeah, there's all kinds of toys. Did Lucasfilms just have the uh the rights to it? I don't know. 
I don't know. But still cool though, right? At least I, you know, it just shows respect amongst your peers, I guess, in a sense. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, fucking, obviously, he's been around since way before Lucas. There was he, a. He didn't even ask for permission, but he did it. Yeah. There was actually a uh, a scene in the movie where uh, where Rick Moranis was playing with Star Wars toys, right? Uh, or Spaceballs toys. Something like that. Yeah, he had like all little action figures and then someone walks in to tell him something and he's all like embarrassed and shit. <laughs> and it was like him like making out with fucking Princess uh, Vespa. <laughs> Let's go over their names real quick, all right? We have Princess Vespa. And we have Dark Helmet, which nice. we've already introduced. Not Darth Helmet, <laughs> Dark Helmet. Dark Helmet. Then we have John Candy in the famous role of Barf. Yep. And then um, Bill Pullman. Not Bill Paxton, but Bill Pullman. They're easily mixed up uh, as Lone Star. You know what would have been funny is if they would have did a... Indiana Jones one afterwards <laughs> and had him be the same, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, uh, let's see, we got Colonel Sanders in here, uh, President Scroob, and Mel Brooks also plays Yogurt. Yeah. How awesome is that, right? Yeah. Then, uh, Prince Valium instead of, <laughs> instead of Prince Valiant. Nice. That's good. So he just just imagine how much fun it was like right for sure his... yeah that's that's what I mean like it was it was guaranteed super fun for him and whoever he was he wrote it with or whatever yeah I wonder what the I wonder who wrote it oh no but two. I remember who was on the Jerry Seinfeld one with him it was uh, Carl Renner oh yeah um. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to find some writers, but I can't find anything. But uh, I have I have a couple clips over here. If you want to uh, you want to dive into some of these. Yeah, let's do. It. All right. Uh, let's see. Here's something with uh, with dark helmet and his giant fucking helmet. This shit is so fucking huge, dude. It's ridiculous. Pardon me, sir. I have an idea. Corporal, get me the video cassette of Spaceballs the movie. Yes, sir. <laughs> Colonel Sanders, may I speak with you, please? Yes, sir. How can there be a cassette of Spaceballs the movie? We're still in the middle of making it. Oh, that's true, sir. But there's been a new breakthrough in home video marketing. Yes, yes. Instant cassettes. They're out in stores before the movie is finished. Uh. Here it is, sir. Spaceballs. Good work, Corporal. Punch it up. That's much too early. Prepare to fast forward. Preparing to fast forward. Fast forward. Fast forwarding, sir. It's blowing his mind that he's watching something that hasn't happened yet. No, 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 go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. <laughs> right here. Stop. Ah. 
That's funny. It's just a live feed of them on the TV. Yeah. What the hell am I looking at? When does this happen <laughs> in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? Past then. When? Just now. We're at now now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will <laughs> then be now? Soon. <laughs> <laughs> so funny yeah and there's so many parts like that you know that movie is just full of that shit yeah the dialogue is just ridiculous all the dialogue in all these movies i feel like is so important you know it's so important we're in now I mean? now we're in now now yeah 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 i mean look at it's still around yeah he's the he's definitely the master of dialogue for sure and like the yeah. back and forths and uh you know, there was a few things that I read in here that were improvised. Um, so it's it's always good to have, like, the good director, good writers, and actors that can take direction but also, you know, make it their own. And that's when you get the best shit out of it, the best jiving. You don't want some sort of Michael Sarah situation where he's yelling at you, telling you how to tell him to make things. You want, like people that'll jive together like this and it really shows in the uh in the finished version of the film you know what i'm saying yeah you know what I'm saying? <laughs> i just read this funny fact <laughs> uh the the crew thought the green screen work was gonna damage their eyes because it was like a new thing <laughs> at the time and they were like it's and it's like it said that the crew needed to spend a lot of time in front of the green screen. And at the time, the process was still new. So the production crew like had suspicions of the environment might be damaging to a person's eyesight. Uh -huh. But it was unfounded. Nobody's ever said anything like that. Yeah. But anyways, so Bill Pullman would wear glasses in between shots to like try to protect his eyes. And shit, just He's like, case. yeah, I don't want my eyes messing that, up. That is a super embarrassing fact, huh? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Looking back at that, he's like, man, turns out I'm just a dumbass and I'm super yeah. fucking prissy about my eyeballs. <laughs> Green screen's going to hurt my eyes. Yep. So funny. So funny. <laughs> well, it's like... Uh, you never know, right? I mean, I guess it's better to be safe than sorry, for sure, but fuck. Yeah, that's true. Um, So... Mel Brooks, I, I said that he uh, he played yogurt as well. And he also had some sort of allergic reaction to the latex in his makeup. And it spread all over his eyes. <laughs> and he fucking couldn't see when he was making this movie. And, like, that happens. You know what I mean? Shit happens in production. But the worst part is that he is the creator of this film. And he did it to himself. He burned his own eyes out with a latex rash on his own movie that he's in charge of. And, you know, it happens, but that must have been an embarrassing moment, too. And all of these people's, you know, uh, skin conditions and futures are in his hands. And right. here he is burning his own eyes. And then he's like, sorry, guys. All right. Hit the makeup chair, John Candy. We're going to just put some makeup on your face. And he's like, I don't know if I want to now. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not gonna do that. Give me a little fucking something different. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was uh, maybe he was you know banging one of the chicks on the movie, 
and got a little sort of uh, little infection in his eye, a little pink eye. And he just called in an allergic reaction to the makeup. Allegedly, that may have happened. I don't know. But uh, I know that fucking any character that Mel Brooks that Mel Brooks plays is ridiculous. And uh, going back to Blazing Saddles, his character in Blazing Saddles, he was like the president or whatever. And uh, just the whole time, his eyes were crossed. Like he had some fucking like weird cross-eyed thing happening. <laughs> and uh, like his pants were always down. And he was just always getting his dick sucked by, like, his receptionist and shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he yeah, definitely he goes He goes all the way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to, especially when it's your movie. Yep. You know, I mean, like, you got to be the leader, right? <clears throat> Damn, so John Candy's barf costume took three people to operate, much like, Look. much like, uh, what's his face? Jabba the Hut. <laughs> Why? Because of the tail? Yeah, well, uh, John Candy operated the tail <clears throat> using a hidden control that was inside of his paw. And then two assistants each controlled one ear. Oh. Yeah. And it's like you couldn't control both ears, I guess. It was too much work. So there was one person on each ear. So it took a total of three people. And he had to wear a 30-pound battery pack on his back the whole time. Why? For the tail? Yeah. To power the tail and the ears and like the mechanics in it. Just because it was like, you know, they didn't have uh, iPods and little slim nanotechnology back then. So everything was huge and he had giant gears like running through his costume and shit. Yeah. That's crazy. That's funny. Yeah. And then Mel Brooks was like, here, I'm blind because I, I fucking gave myself a rash. So I'm going to need you to put these gears on your body. Just kind of stuff them into your costume. I wouldn't trust that. Some sort of fucking crazy-ass battery on my back. They're worried about burning their eyes out with the green screen, but he's got a huge-ass battery on his back <clears throat> that probably had something to do with killing him. It probably gave him some sort of, like... It had to have, like, been bad for your, like, kidneys. Yeah. Well, maybe. All, all that old battery radiation. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just paranoid about batteries, I guess. <laughs> from, <laughs> from the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, apparently. So um there was a uh there was a book Spaceballs the book which was I think made after the movie and it was a novelization by RL Stein which is a trip. The guy who wrote all the Goosebumps books. I'm going to look nice. into this. I'm going to look into this Stein. real quick. Yeah, R.L. Stein, otherwise known as A.K.A. Jovial Bob Stein, A.K.A. Brody South Dakota, A.K.A. Jody High Roller. He, uh, he wrote this book. What? <laughs> Out of here. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jody High Roller, yeah, right. Jody High Roller. Um, let's see. It's on Amazon. 1987. So yeah, this book came out June 1st, 1987, which was the same year that the movie came out, and it was a novelization by R.L. Stein and Mel Brooks. Nice. So 
they like collaborated on it and he released the movie and the novelization at the same time, which is dope. That's a good idea. Cause yeah, it's smart for cause the kids fucking Yeah, and Star Wars had the whole book series. You know what I mean? There's like a whole book series that sets up the whole rest of the universe and shit. There, yeah, there's a bunch of book series actually. Yeah. So um in in this book, the Spaceballs book, they reveal the names of the Dinks to be Rinky Dink, Dink, Blinky Dink, Stinky Dink, Pinky Dink, Finky Dink, and Winky Dink. Nice. So, in case anybody's wondering, you can tell them that you learned that here at the Natural Habitat Podcast. The name of the Dinks. Good, <laughs> good luck remembering them. Yeah. Um... <laughs> When uh, you skipped over uh, Pizza the Hut. Pizza the Hut. What about it? Lay it on him. Pizza the Hut. How uh, it was it, like it was their version like, of Jabba. Yeah, yeah, but it was like uh, Dom DeLuise played the voice, but uh, wouldn't play the character. <laughs> <laughs> He's like so. Nah. They had a uh, sound effects guy or actor effects guy do it. And then after he did it, when they wanted to film additional shots, he turned it down and made somebody else do it after yeah. that. <laughs> Damn, for real? Was, uh, I guess it was shitty being Pizza the Hut. Damn. It's like you probably just reeked like pizza afterwards. I wonder if they had some type of like deal with Pizza Hut. They had to have. It had to have been some sort of promotional thing. That's awesome if it was. They probably got money to like pay for the movie and shit or whatever. Yeah, but they uh Pizza the Hut. But it might not be because he spelled H U T T. So they spelled it different, which is part of the satire law. You gotta change yeah. the spelling and shit. So Yeah, that's right. I don't know, man. Yeah. They might not have done it. It's original. Pizza the Hut. Pizza the Hut. All right. Uh I got one more clip before we get out of here. What you got? Jaws. Access <laughs> Vespa spaceship within range, sir. Good. Fire a warning shot across her nose. What's going on? It's either the 4th of July or someone's trying to kill us. Hey, I don't have to put up with this. I'm rich. What are you doing? I'm calling my father. 1 800. Careful, you idiot. I said across her nose, not up it. Sorry, sir. Doing my best. Uh, who made that man a gunner? I did, sir. He's my cousin. Who is he? He's an asshole, sir. I know that. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major asshole. <laughs> his cousin? He's an asshole, too, sir. Gunner's made first class Philip asshole. How many assholes we got on this ship, anyhow? Yo! I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. <laughs> Keep firing, assholes! <laughs> Dope. That's the payoff, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. That was the great... It's like, just full of wordplay and full of, like, little weird jokes like that. Yeah. Like, there was one time when, uh... When... These twins come in and meet President Scrooge, 
and he tells them to chew their gum and then walks away. And that is just a slight reference to the double mint commercials that always had twins at the time. It was always like a thing with the twins. And he just looked at him and was like, go chew your gum. And then just walks away. And, you know, it was like, a, it, it was a weird style of writing. And like we said, I think he's done it. He did it better than anybody. And it's, it's its own genre. You know, his movies and his writing, you can't really compare him to anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying? It's true. It's true. I mean, like, nobody does it anymore, and that's one of the things we talked about a lot also is that, is that dialogue was so important back then because that's really all there was. Yeah. You know, and he brought that into a future where where he adapted with the green screen and the fucking, you know, the technology, but still kept the important part, which was the dialogue for him, and that's why it was so special. It was so different, you know? And, I, and the same for the old Star Wars, if you think about it, too. That shit was crazy. You know, it was like, it's just like that. So, yeah, I mean, the dialogue was super important all the way up. Mm-hmm. Until what, like the 2000s? <laughs> yeah, right. and then it got to where everything was visual, and it was yeah. all about you know visual awards and all these special effects and all these cool things, and that's what and people drama look for. And then dramatic scenes. Yeah, dr- yeah, drama and like people not saying things <clears throat> turned into the thing, like the silence. And when fucking Luke Skywalker stares at his lightsaber and doesn't say a fucking word, you know what I mean? Like there could have been some amazing dialogue. Right there at the end of that movie. Even if it would have said that, that would have been cool. Yeah. That's dialogue. <laughs> yeah, still dialogue. And uh, To be continued. And it's weird because, like, you know, there used to be a time when movies would, it would just be constant, brilliant dialogue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether it's comedy or drama or, you know, something scary or a Western or whatever the fuck, the dialogue was always constantly on point. Every time that anybody opened their mouth, it was for a reason. And it was like, whoa. Like, you would fucking get sucked into these conversations. And Quentin Tarantino's still good at it. Like, Quentin Tarantino fills his movies with dialogue. But if you go and see your average movie, there's going to be, you know, there's usually one time in the movie where the dialogue's off the hook. And you li- you're listening to it, and when it's done, you're like, whoa. And, like, you look at whoever you're watching it with, and you're like, damn, that was crazy. Deep, fucking right? blah, blah, blah. But... It should be like that throughout the movie. There's no reason why a movie shouldn't shouldn't be constantly filled with deep, good dialogue. You know, I agree. that's what you're doing. That's what we're doing here. That's a main part of your project. You have lots of time and money to create this. Don't just fill it with nonsense words. Like, and I hate it when people set something up and don't finish it, and they just kind of leave it out there. I watched this new movie, uh, Four Hundred Days. Have you heard about it? So, uh, I don't think so. It's like these astronauts and they're testing uh, the effects of space travel on people. So what they do is they put them in like an underground vault in some cornfield somewhere and lock them in for 400 days. They have like a fake, you know, launch. They go up and fucking everything shakes and they launch. And then there's like some oxygen failure and all these different like malfunctions and tests that happen. And then, like, 30 days in, they lose power. And they just have, like, you know, minimal power to keep the ship running. So they're like, all right, we'll just stay in here. This is, like, obviously a test to see if we could survive in space with minimal power. 
So they're like filtering their own piss and like doing all this shit for fucking 300 more days. And then all of a sudden they wake up and there's just some dude like in their ship, like in their sealed ship and he's all dirty and he crawls through a hole in the ceiling. So they crawl out there and like everything's fucked up. Like the planet is just filled with dust. It's daytime, but there's like clouds and dirt in the sky. So it's like nighttime. And they realize that everybody's gone and they're on the they're on their own and they have to like, you know, figure out what the fuck they're gonna do. Shit gets crazy. It was an amazing movie. I recommend people go see it. That all happens within the first half hour and the rest is like the movie. You know what I mean? But uh there was like two things in particular that they did and they didn't come back around and talk about. And it's like, why you gotta do that to me, man? Why you gotta get me so sucked into your universe and then just leave me hanging like that. You know what I mean? That's that shit I don't like. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was another episode of Mikey Booyah Gets Mad Out Loud. Thinking out mad loud. Thinking out mad loud. But uh, yeah, man, he was... Mel Brooks is, is a different breed, and he was always on point with his shit. There was never a part of any of his movies that pissed me off. No. Everything was enjoyable. Everything was like... All about the laughs, you know? It was, like, really good. Really, really funny. Always pushing boundaries. Always right on time. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, like, a comedic genius. So, boom. Booyakasha. Bada boom. Another one. Space Week? Space Week. Space Week is done. Till next time. It was a trip, man. It was I a know, trip. Right? Mm-hmm. It was fun. Yep, I agree. Uh, we'll be back at you on Tuesday with a brand new episode. Uh, we love you. Have a great rest of your weekend. And peace, bitches. Natural Habitat Recordings.